Hey there, I'm Pete Townsend, and this is Money Never Sleeps. We look inside the minds of entrepreneurs and at the crossover of startups, enterprise, finance, technology, and life as we know it. This episode of Money Never Sleeps is sponsored by Pat Fintech, the training partner that demystifies fintech and digital finance for financial services professionals. On the show this week, we've got Jerry Fahey. I'm Jerry Fahey, and I'm the managing director of the Pat Crew. And Andrew Quinn. I'm Andrew Quinn, and I'm head of fintech at the Pat Group with the story of the Pat Group, who are at the forefront of online education and digitally enhanced learning in Ireland. In this episode, we explore one of the keystones for Ireland to become a global center of excellence on all things fintech and regtech, which is getting the best and brightest in fintech and regtech trained up here in Ireland. Then the trigger for the launch of the Pat Group in 2017, and then with Andrew Quinn joining to lead Pat Fintech in 2020, we connect all of the dots. In this week's episode, of money never sleeps. Money never sleeps, pal. Jerry, just kind of rolling right into it. What I'd like you to do is just give us some insight into your backstory, right? How you got to this point, connecting the dots from your time in the banking sector, 17 years, right? To all those years with multiple education institutions to founding the PAT Group in 2017. Can you just walk us through that? I suppose I've had the great fortune to have worked in eight different institutional banks. And that gave me a, a great opportunity to experience different cultures, risk appetite and management styles. And parallel with that, I started uh, doing some nighttime lecturing. And I started off with the first uh, program that I started delivering was the Institute of Bankers with Dublin Business School. And I felt that by lecturing, it helped me develop my presentational skills, which were obviously a key part from a, a banking perspective. I make no bones about it. I, I found getting my professional exams, they were challenging and they were difficult, but it, it was an objective for me to pass the examination. And I made a promise to myself that if I was ever fortunate enough to qualify, I would love to teach the way I would love to have been taught because I was that person. And I felt that with that teaching objective, that if I could develop a style that that style would appeal to perhaps a lot of people, perhaps more people than might otherwise admit to. And that was to appeal to the lowest level of understanding or the highest level of difficulty for learners. And that philosophy and that teaching philosophy served me very well for close on 20 years in Dublin Business School, where I lectured on professional programs for the Institute of Chartered Management Accountants and the ACCA. And in that period of time, had over 100 prize winners, national and international prize winners, including first in the world. But I found that in the mid-teens, that the method of consumption of my audience was changing. And it was changing in a manner whereby a digital format was becoming the medium of consumption for the learners. And it struck me that if we're like, we should be as educationalists and trainers, that we should be embracing technology as a medium of delivery. And that effectively, I should learners after a hard day's work be fighting the traffic coming into town and in the cold and the wet and the damp and coming into a classroom and being tired or whatever after a hard working day, month end accounts, etc. When perhaps they could actually consume their education, training and skills in a digital format. So that was the very genesis of the thought concept in my head in relation to the beginning of PAT. And that was effectively the beginning. It was to take that concept and we were very fortunate to work very closely with the ACCA and indeed the Department of Education and the Higher Education Authority with regard to 
identifying alternative talent pipelines in, with regard to potential employers. So that combination of a relationship was effectively the genesis of the formation of PAT. Okay, interesting. And it, it's like just looking at your profile, Jerry, and going through the detail on your LinkedIn profile. And Owen, oh, like I said, we still need to get LinkedIn to sponsor an episode here. I just <laughs> say that so many times. 17 years in banking, obviously Dublin Business School for nearly 20 years, if not 20 years, but also some time affiliated with Griffith College, yet at TP University in Istanbul, doing things with the Central Bank of Ireland as well. That diversity of delivery, diversity of objectives that may be set out in front of you, did any of that really have an impact on, hey, I've done this so many different ways now? I'm just going to go do it my way. I think there was a combination, uh, Pete. There was a combination of factors that influenced the decision. And I suppose what it does is that it makes you more agile and responsive in an emerging environment. And it was the one obvious thing is that technology was going to be the enabler. And, and what is really ironic for those who know me is that I would not have been a technological person. So I'm reminded as I stood once on a sideline at a football match whilst our son was playing in goal and speaking with the parent on the football team. And uh, he was going through a change program at work. And the line that he said to me was, if you don't like change, you will like being irrelevant even less. Yeah. So for me, that was a defining moment in a cold January morning. And I said, okay, this is it. Because if you don't change, then circumstances will overtake you. And I felt that in my banking experience and clients in banking are a great source of source of education because they were looking at it from a risk perspective, how they ran their businesses and from a banking perspective, how we assess that underlying risk. So there was a composite education and intel that I leveraged off, plus also my own experience as well. And I felt that in a classroom situation, it is the application of taught principles rather than the regurgitation of the taught principles. So in professional examinations, you have to be interactive with the audience. And the best way to make the class interactive is to actually bring in and relay real life stories and, and case studies. So that composite experience helped me make that decision in relation to setting up PAT in 2017. It was governed by a conviction that really the market hadn't changed very much from the chalk and talk of the late 80s right up to the mid-teens, that it was still a classroom-centric delivery platform when really technology was the enabler and the facilitator to make it happen. This is very timely because my wife is actually studying for the ACCAs at the moment. Okay. So the many evening I'm called in to try explain some topic that she's looking at. And I can explain it in the practical sense of how I would look at it from a work point of view. It's often the examples and the practical application of it is where the, the missing piece is. And she's still getting manufacturing and widgets and these sort of examples. And it's just not making it practical and making it understandable. There's a hundred other examples you could use. I, I went back to do an MBA a number of years ago and I did the first year of it and then I didn't continue it on. Because actually what I realized in one of the modules that I did at the time, it was the same lecturer from when I did my undergrad, despite there being nearly 10 years in the difference. And that, and that wasn't the issue necessarily. It was that the topics and the examples were the same. Yeah. You know, yeah. which I couldn't get my head around. You know, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I, I heard something this morning. I think it was Des Trainer from Intercom was speaking on the Enterprise Ireland Startup Showcase. And he said, when you decide that your business model will become a SaaS model, that you're going to be taking a much different approach to how you run your business financially. Something like that would be wonderful to see mm -hmm. in a financial accounting course. The well, difference between yeah. a SaaS business and a true software license business and perhaps a manufacturing business, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think in terms of that very point that Owen makes reference to, Pete, is that every day there are practical examples of the interaction between financial principles and corporate reporting principles and the environment we operate in right now. My teaching philosophy was to make it real that if students are up at 6.30 in the morning as it was then, getting into town, and you have them from 6 until 10 that evening, you have to make the lecture engaging and interactive, that they will remember the hook and the principle. So you could be in retail, manufacturing, public sector, private sector, financial services, insurance. So you could be in education. So I felt that it was a passport to transcend different sectors. That's the reason why I chose accountancy, and I'm very grateful that I did. It was tough going, but I'm, I'm glad I did. You guys just give me so much more of an appreciation, Jerry, for, for the style that you mm. embody, which is pretty impressive. Do you want to maybe walk us through the three years since launching Pat Group and the adventure that you've had up until the point of launching the Pat FinTech program? Indeed. And I suppose the, the key thing in terms of a business strategy that I would have seen over the years in my banking career was to, to stick to what you're good at and in terms of your core competency. And in the passage of time, you can build on related and complementary activities if you feel that it has an adjacent problem-solving add-on. So from our perspective, it was a team of people that we assembled to actually take that first step. And thankfully, the ACCA supported us in the vision that we had, which was how can we, and this seems so strange in a post 12th of March 2020 environment, but in 2017, 18, 19, you were looking at an economy that was at full employment, where if you like the chase for talent was a really strong challenge for lots of finance houses. So therefore, our vision was, wouldn't it be fantastic if that we can take people to have the chance to go back to education again and to identify that talent pipeline and to retrain them and reskill them and provide an alternative talent pipeline? Because as a nation, our people are our greatest resource and they are a unique competitive advantage. And I felt that for our business and economies to succeed in a transformed and competitive global economy, I felt that our managers at a national level must have up-to-date skills and to continue to train and to participate in lifelong learning as they progress through their careers. And when we made that proposition to the Higher Education Authority, they could see what we were trying to achieve. And within a very quick space of time, we could see that we had learners in 23 different counties of 13 different nationalities by birth of origin, 70% of which were female, 75% of which were level eight graduates. And they wanted to go back in and they wanted to participate in upskilling and reskilling because accountancy is a language of business. And there is the old tagline, follow the money. Somebody has to record the transaction. Somebody has to process it. Somebody has to file it. Somebody has to interpret it. Somebody has to use that data to create value. 
invariably it is someone who's got the financial literacy skills. And that was the genesis where we say we can identify an alternative talent pipeline, we can work with employers, and we can create an improved lifelong learning culture for those people who have the, the appetite and desire to go back into education. The average age of a student in PAT is 35 years of age. So from our perspective, I felt that as an economy and as a society, we must ensure that all our people have accessible upskilling options and that as a trainer or an educator, we must offer relevant and up-to-date courses that meet the needs of the enterprise and the employees. And if we could do that, then that would be a real value add. So from our perspective, we see PAT as being the bridgehead between the education and taught principles and, if you like, the application of those skills that will make them job ready for the workplace of the future. In your view, is it, given the change from a technology point of view and innovation and the workforce, do you think that the opportunity to build those skills is better coming from outside the traditional education environment? Because the way the PAT Group operates is different to public universities or public education. Do you think this is easier to meet the needs of the market as a standalone entity? I think it is easier to do this, but I suppose there's a, a, a broader philosophical question. That what is the role of education in terms of university? It probably has a more holistic feel to it and objective to it. And we could never... And this is with respect to the universities and, and colleges. We could never compete because we didn't have the bandwidth or the track record with what they were doing. But we felt that what we could do, it was a niche play. And the fact that we could take the application of taught principles and to train, upskill and reskill and pivot and reposition that learner into the workplace. And it is truly inspiring. It's really motivational to see somebody perhaps who is either a returner or somebody who was displaced or in between employment or somebody who was unemployed or somebody who was going for a job and actually through the power of education and the skills that they have acquired with Pat in conjunction with our stakeholders that they actually progress. And it's very reassuring to see that in the current environment that those who unfortunately have been displaced because of the pandemic is that transformative transitional fluency of movement exists, that if you have financial literacy skills, it can transcend sectors. And I've seen that through the power of education, skills, and training. So effectively, that was the foundation stone of PAT. Okay. And we've talked a lot about ACCA, and that stands for the Association of Chartered Certified Accountants. That opened up the gold standard, obviously, for this. But what else was there to do? Indeed. And we were very privileged to get the gold standard, which was probably the second highest level of teaching excellence that ACCA can bestow upon what they call their uh, approved learning partners. And we got that in record time. And that gives us a platform of credibility and authenticity when you're dealing with employers. And from that, we built on. And thankfully, in the latter part of 2020, we were successful in getting platinum, which is the highest level of teaching excellence that's, that, that can be conferred by the ACCA. But I suppose from my perspective, there's always a reason as to that moment where you decide to maybe diversify or to try an alternative strategy that doesn't deviate too much from your core competency. And that came from a student. And it was a student who asked to meet with me in 2018. And they said, listen, can I meet you for a coffee? 
I was going, sure, by all means. And this particular individual was a former student of mine in 215, and they were a finalist. And that individual, at that particular point in time, they were on a salary of, I think, not 28 or 30,000 or whatever. So fast forward three years later, they had the opportunity to progress their career from what they were doing, and they had turned down a significant salary opportunity. And they'd asked me for my advice and opinion as to what they should be doing. And they said, listen, can you give us your perhaps your best and brightest of banking talent? Because we think that there's going to be opportunities in Ireland in a post-Brexit environment. Because Ireland will be the only remaining English-speaking country within the remaining EU27. And whilst there will be fallout from London and the city with regard to the displacement of financial services from London, some of it will migrate to the, the continent, but some will come to Ireland. And he said, we now need to plan for that and to put in place a talent pipeline for that. So at that particular point in time, the con- and I said, what's driving this? And he advised me, he said, what's driving it is fintech. Fintech and regtech and cybersecurity are going to be the major growth areas in financial services. So that set about a catalyst in my mind with regards to the pivoting, professional accounting training from being the core offering of ACCA. And really, I suppose, I really saw it as a, a way of finding an adjacent solution to an emerging problem. So it was complementary and related rather than radically different. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point because startup product development 101 is solve a problem first, right? And then start solving adjacent problems. Problems that you know that your customers have, you're solving their core problem for them, but what else can you solve for them? And with your customers being students, but the industry are customers of Pat Group, right? And there, there is a problem there that needed to be solved, which was this big upskilling. I see it. I see this all the time, which is UK fintechs, regtechs established already there. They are either native to the UK or have decided to set up their operations in the UK a couple of years ago after moving over from the US and expanding to Europe and selecting the UK as their point of expansion are now coming to Ireland right? There are also those companies now coming from the US that would have selected the UK that are coming to Ireland, right? And we're seeing this in pure fintech. We're seeing it in reg tech. We're seeing it in crypto and digital assets. It's going to keep happening. And the idea is that there's a gap to fill there in terms of the programs that you guys can deliver. When you think about this isn't an easy problem to solve, right? There might be someone out there who can help you accelerate. And with any startup, when you're looking to pivot or expand or start solving adjacent problems, there are people, hopefully, out there that can help you do that. Who is this for you? I think the key part for any business is collaboration. My personal view is is that if you think you can do it by yourself, you may possibly be able to, but it might take a little longer and it mightn't be as effective. So... From our perspective, I think the key area for us is to work very closely with industry and our stakeholders at being a solution provider. So whilst accountancy is probably the core discipline, built around that would be the whole aspect in terms of compliance in a fintech environment, money laundering in a fintech environment, data protection and reg tech, data analytics. So the whole suite of solutions that you bring into a potential customer, and the customer could be one, 
but they might have many multifactorial demands and requirements that you can become the solution provider by working with thought leaders, domain experts, leading industry practitioners, whereby we're not looking to run an appreciation course or syllabus. We're not looking to run a course that is a revisionism because in 2021, that's not what the market's looking for. What the market's looking for is what's coming down the track, not what has happened. And that effectively was the thought concept that I wanted to create, but I couldn't do it by myself. So I needed to have somebody who could bring that and make that happen. And that particular man was one Andrew Quinn. This episode of Money Never Sleeps is sponsored by Pat Fintech, demystifying fintech and digital finance for financial services professionals. Pat Fintech enable financial services professionals to transform their capabilities into the digital age with dedicated virtual training programs geared towards those that can develop, deliver, and monitor optimally customized user experiences balanced by appropriate governance, control, and oversight. To learn more about Pat Fintech, go to moneyneversleeps.ie slash P-A-T Fintech. Andrew Quinn, it's time to turn on his mic. And just to quote one of my favorite rap songs. No, I actually won't. I'll leave it. Why don't you step out from behind the mic and whack some of that rubbish you'd be writing, right? So going back to the Poor Righteous Teachers, actually, that is the name of the rap group back from 1991 is the Poor Righteous Teachers, who I just quoted. I won't do the whole song. But Andrew, I would like you to tell us about the Pat Fintech program and how it's structured, kind of touching on one of those points that Jerry just mentioned which is the appreciation course, which a number of folks can waltz in to a training program and deliver an appreciation course. I could deliver a course on the history of baseball. I could deliver a course on the history of U2 as a rock band. It might be entertaining, yeah. but it's just going to be running through history, which is all you're doing. Just walk us through the Pat Fintech program, how it's structured maybe touching on a couple of those points while you do. Yeah, so I suppose like a lot of things in life, you know, sometimes you're, you're better to be lucky than good. There's some people who are both. But for me, I devolved a certain philosophy whilst I was uh, lecturing and then running programs and developing programs at Dublin Business School. And uh, it's roughly a year ago to the day, myself and Jerry had a cup of coffee and we started talking. He was evolving this vision of where he saw Pat was going to go. What I saw from the beginning was... There was just this authenticity and this real commitment to the outcomes. You know, what are we actually doing here? Like, what, what are these graduates actually going to be able to do? And I sometimes call it the Monday morning phenomenon. What are you actually going to be doing on a Monday morning? And what would be the expectations of your employer and how that evolves your career path? So we were lucky, fortunate that there was a relationship with the ACOI. And we were also very fortunate that the president of the ACOI, Kathy Jacobs, had this very strong idea that from her own personal experiences that the traditional compliance function was really being challenged and changed by having to work in a far more data-driven fintech type environment. And that's a nebulous term, but it captures this idea of innovation and how we apply technology to change the way traditional financial services are delivered by whom in what way and compliance obviously being a, a core feature of the provision of financial services the protections for consumers and markets and integrity 
So we were very fortunate that program evolved and that that led to another program with another really great group of stakeholders around anti-money laundering. Once again, positioning it in a more fintech type environment and the challenges that captures. And I suppose to, to cut to the chase, Pete, what that led to is that the programs capture, I suppose, my philosophy and building off Jerry and Pat's core belief around the outcomes and the quality of the teaching and the training for students. Obviously, these programs are very different to ACCA, which is far more pass-fail. It's a far more brutal process trying to qualify as an accountant. So the programs are very much focused around learning. They're very much focused around practitioner-driven, making it real, trying to think about what's coming around the corner, trying to look forward definitely, and really just trying to get the best people in the classroom to help develop um, the skills uh, and the competencies that, again, I've always been a great believer in the ecosystem. And and I think the role of PAT FinTech and and building off what Jerry has done is to help provide the talent. The talent pillar is one of the core aspects to the Ireland for Finance strategic plan. And I would be a great believer. And I, I think it's really appropriate that talent is clearly identified in that way. And that, that's what PAT FinTech hopes to achieve, Pete, you know, to okay. deliver the talent that the industry needs. Well, one of the things that I've been thinking about is obsessing about the outcomes. And yeah. when it's the ACCA program, and there is a global standard for this with scoring, with global rankings and finalists, that the outcome is quantitative, right? You know the numbers. When you are training people and demystifying fintech for financial services professionals and developing the knowledge base and the skill set required so that these folks can bring these insights back to their organizations to help them face these new challenges that they have in fintech and regtech and cybersecurity and AML. Measuring the outcomes of that, right? Using startup parlance, how do you know that you've achieved product market fit? How do you actually measure the outcome? So for me, and again, there's a natural symmetry, even though it is different, as you you outlined, Pete. The the outcomes for us will be our students, our graduates, and their employers. You know, the outcomes will be whether we can actually create students, graduates, that can enable the evolution of the Irish financial services ecosystem. And, you know, fintech is embedded within that. So for me, the outcomes are definitely less quantifiable in a, in a sort of pass-fail way. But the focus has to be around the learning experience. Like, I think the word engagement was used by Jerry very early on, and, and that's critical. I'm a great believer in cliches are cliches for a reason, and, you know, demystifying, again, is something that's very close to my, my personal beliefs about training and education. You, you need to break it down into a language that you can actually engage with people, they can understand, they can develop. Uh, I think you and me and Pete have talked about rabbit holes before. You know, encourage people's curiosity, yeah. get people to really believe in their own potential. And I think you create a certain culture, if that's a big word, but you try to create a certain culture about what you're trying to do. Yeah, I I, I hear you. I'll give you a quantitative outcome for Pat Fintech, Andrew, which is let's look at the Central Bank of Ireland register for those that are authorized as e-money institutions. 
those that are authorized as AISPs under the Payment Services Directive, those that are authorized as payment institutions, right, that are new names that are coming in since Pat Fintech launched, right? Hopefully that would be a quantifiable outcome, like you said, of, of lifting the industry overall, right, to enable these businesses to achieve their regulatory status that are coming into Ireland on a pre-regulated basis and then need to inject the local compliance and regulatory regimes into their businesses with those that have the knowledge base and skill sets to do so. I would only add to that, Pete, that, you know, on, on a personal level, it, it's it's been an interesting journey because, you know, I, I'm not an accountant as Jerry is. I'm much more of a finance guy. That's my background. So compliance and regulation, it's always a little bit on the edge of the radar. You know, you, you'd, you'd much rather, in a way, be teaching classes around valuation and DeFi and stuff like that. Well, compliance and regulation is just so integral to everything. And the confluence now, and I have had an interest, a big interest in RegTech for a number of years. And I just think it's such an agile, interesting, evolving environment. And getting the regulatory framework right and trying to create, and it sounds aspirational, but People who know me, this is the way I do speak because I mean it. Trying to create or, or enhance Ireland's reputation as a centre of excellence in these things, I think just opens up so many opportunities for the economy, for the industry, for graduates. And this podcast and what yourself and Owen do are very much symbolic of this idea that let's try to help each other build this ecosystem. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was just going to come in there. Something that's been on my mind. I have a sticky note here stuck to my desktop and it says own the audience, which is uh, a shout out to Gene Murphy who said that to me the other day. But I suppose from a business point of view, Jerry's, we probably all have experiences with lecturers or trainers in the past and they're the, you know, the one person who was able to make a difference. How do you marry that? Obviously, when you're delivering courses that are quite specific and skill specific, but also a lot of it is dependent on the delivery. How do you factor in the personalities from a business point of view? Indeed. Uh, and that's a very good question, Owen. I think the key thing here is, is that to try and build a, a brand that is not just centric and rotating around one person. It may initially be, but what you need to do is to create an ethos and a philosophy that actually, and we call it the pathway. We take out the letter H. It's the pathway. And the pathway effectively are people who must represent the core values of what we're about. Because effectively, if they have the work ethic, they have the empathy, they have the pastoral aspects of it. There are so many competing demands on learners' time right now. It is not just about knowledge transfer. It's about motivating the learner to run rather than walk. It's about motivating the learner to realize, you know what, the oxygen of hope is really, really crucial right now. And I don't mean this to sound flippant, but the success and failure in professional accountancy exams is minimal. 49 is zero, 50 is 100. It is very absolute in professional accountancy. But what we try to do is to take the philosophy of what we're doing. And the philosophy of what we're doing, this is really important, whereby you're working with stakeholders, and we have a little dashboard called RCP with regard to the retention, the completion, the progression. Pete, you asked the question earlier on in terms of Andrew, how do you quantify something? Well, you will know after one week in terms of the online audience who's back or who's not. Okay. Okay. So therefore, if you lose the person, then effectively, you know, looking at that, then there's something wrong if they are not returning. 
If they're not returning, they're not completing. If they're not completing, they're not progressing. If they're not progressing, they're not going back to their colleagues inside and work and going, you know what? This was a truly, really transformational learning experience. What we're trying to do is to create something that is a baton, that for a period of time, we share the race together and then you hand it over and then they take off. And you're empowering that individual to be a catalyst of change, to be a beacon within their respective organization. Life is tough. There are multiple competing demands on people's lives. We focus on one thing, hope, H-O-P-E. Hold on, pain ends. And if ever there was a time right now for not just the economy or society, but we need to focus on hope, the oxygen that there's going to be a better time. And as educationists and trainers, and I've been very fortunate in my career, whereby, and I don't say that in a self-indulgent way, because that is not me, not me. I failed more times than I succeeded. My late dad used to say to me, the harder the fall, the quicker you get up. Failure doesn't define you, but how you react to it does. So therefore, what we're doing is, this is not just file save as a learning experience coming to PAT. This is something truly different, whereby we're using our vast experience. We're using technology as the conduit to articulate our message and be the catalyst for change. And from our perspective, a key part of our strategy has been our investment technology strategy. I'm with you. That's you, you, you really got me thinking here, Jerry, and Shawshank Redemption is coming to mind. And Red, <laughs> when he said, get busy living or get busy dying, right? Hope, hold on, pain ends. I love that. I'm going to remember that. That might go up on my wallow and on my <sighs> sticky. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to next week with Pat Fintech kicking off, okay? And I will be delivering one of the modules next week, which is going to be incredibly exciting. Just to provide you with some comfort, Jerry and Andrew, is that both of my sisters are professors, and I'm going to ask them for a couple of tips. But listen, really looking forward to seeing all of this in action. And with the amount of material that we've covered tonight, Owen, I think it's time for your favorite last question. What do you think? We could unpick loads of this. I'm very passionate about the future of education, so there's lots more we could go on. But, but yes, my, my favorite question, Jerry. Jerry, well, even better because we have two answers this time. For both of you, actually, tell us something that no one would expect to know about you. Okay. Most people would see me as being positive and realistic, for sure, by all means. And I motivate people and I get them to believe because I struggle with overcoming fears, doubt, and anxiety. And people will sometimes say, God, you know, you got us through that. And I meet people who have qualified many years and come back. But the biggest person who's gripped by fear and doubt is the person who's speaking right now. You know, it's probably taken my stage in life to be able to say that in public, because up to yeah. now, it might have been perceived as a sign of weakness. It's taken me this time, all these years, to actually realize, you know what, your biggest strength is to know your weakness and to be never complacent. Because complacency is the enemy of success. Absolutely. Love that. Andrew, what about you? And, and don't say anything to do with Hogan's because we already know that about you. I'll try and give you something. So the one thing maybe Owen, you might not know, I did actually work for Hedge Fund for about 10 years. And I was actually a trader at the Hedge Fund. And I did actually live in the Bahamas for about seven years. Although you'd never know it from the complexion. And my two sons were both born in the Bahamas. <laughs> That's the best one I could come up with. Okay. I, I knew well, about the hedge fund, but I didn't know about the Bahamas. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on to the show tonight. Yes, absolutely. Really enjoyed it's it. Been, thank you for affording us the opportunity to so do. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. That no, was fun. Thanks. Thanks, Owen. Thank you. 
That does it for this week, folks. And you can learn more about Jerry Fahey, Andrew Quinn, and Pat Fintech in the show notes on our website, moneyneversleeps.ie. So check us out online and subscribe to our weekly Money Never Sleeps newsletter as well. Also, thanks to Conan Brophy from Create Sound for mixing and editing this episode. Conan is an excellent media man to get in touch with when you're thinking about launching your own podcast. As for me, I'm an early stage startup advisor and investor. If you'd like to talk to me about your business, drop me a voicemail on moneyneversleeps.ie. Finally, till next time, thanks for listening. See ya.